Finally, we exist. This is the podcast that talks about men's and women's sports equally. We'll talk about the big games and we'll sprinkle in a little trash talk here and there. And we will confront the inequality of sport. We are produced by Homestand Sports. Check out homestandsports.com for more news and check out some of our podcasts and upcoming events like Hoop Talks, Puck Talks, and Pitch Talks. Today on Finally, we're on the ice talking some hockey, NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights, seriously, and we'll talk a bit about fantasy sports and the rise that it's gotten thanks to social media. So I had to give Victoria Mattyash from ESPN a call just to pick her brain because she's an expert when it comes to fantasy hockey. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Natalie. It's a pleasure to have you. Let's talk about the NHL. Let's just get right into the nitty gritty of it. It's been an interesting week. Tell me, what are your thoughts about what's been trending with the NHL this week? I think probably the number one story of the, of the week has been the unveiling of the uh, franchise in Las Vegas, the name and the logo. But that's off-ice news. I also think that we're, we're coming up to the quarter point of the season. And it's at this point, I think, you know, everybody's played 19, 20, 21 games, that you get a real sense of what direction many teams are moving in because you can't do that after 10 games as much as the media would like to and we tend to at times we're a little hysterical and a little day-to-day right now the quarter point of the season is I think I believe when you start to get a sense of what might happen moving forward right and what have been the biggest changes for you like with all the hysteria like oh this team's going to be great washington's going to win it all this year connor mcdavid he's he's the god of the league like what have been the biggest changes from the big from the beginning to now well that's that's just that's just sports fandom though that's that that's not specific to hockey and i i actually think that we're just like that in life it's uh it's what have you done for me lately right i mean just look at austin matthews in toronto here's a guy who scores four goals in his first nhl game and then peters off and goes through a little bit of a cold snap i mean here's a kid who is 15 16 17 games into his nhl career and he is still a kid i don't care how good he is he's still a kid and all of a sudden we're up in arms and making a really big deal over the fact that he hadn't scored for a few games in a row. Oh, and then, and then, he, and then he scores. And then he scores a couple in one game and <sighs> big sigh of relief in Toronto because this is really something to get all worked up about. I mean, we're a bit silly that way. But again, I think that's just what we're like. It is, what have you done for me lately? And I think we have very short-term memories. We don't remember what happened months ago or even weeks ago. We just remember what's going on right now. Sport is, sport is very immediate. And I think we also react to it in a very immediate way. Very, very true. Sport is so immediate in the sense where you're only talking about the night before. And then once the new mm-hmm. game comes by, it's just like pff, you're completely wiped. But how diffi- is there a sense of difficulty in separating that from being a hockey reporter and also being a hockey fan when not just writing everything off from the game before going into the new game and kind of letting go of that hysteria? Well, I mean, I think you have to look at I missed a bit of your question there, but I think you have to, I mean, it is, even though it is very much, what have you done for me lately? And writing about fantasy for me, it really is. I mean, you focus on players that are trending hot and, but you also keep an an eye on 
superstars or guys who have produced in the past in the NHL that might be going through a cold snap because you know that's going to end. I mean, Claude Giroux is my favorite example of that. I can't remember if it was two seasons ago. I think that's about right, where he just started out the season so slowly and everybody was – and he had just come off a banister year. And everyone was, was hysterical about it in, in Philadelphia and around the league. Oh, Claude Giroux is all washed up. He's all washed up. And then December rolls around and he catches on fire and he scores a bunch of goals and Philadelphia almost makes the playoffs because of how well he's playing. It's, so you have to keep an eye – historically players who have been good, but also watching guys who are maybe even uncharacteristically a little hot at the moment. And that, I mean, that's what goes into my job with looking at trends in fantasy hockey. So, I mean, more than anybody, I have a very short-term memory. I have to. So then how do you keep up with all the players that are slumping and breaking out for the fantasy leagues? You watch a lot of hockey. <laughs> you, you watch a you watch a lot of hockey, uh, which is obviously not too much of a chore. I mean, you just this very simple. You check box scores. You read my my biggest tool, I suppose I would say, is uh, between Twitter and the different newspapers. I I follow the beat reporters mm-hmm. for the individual teams because there isn't anybody who knows the Minnesota Wild better than in my mind than Michael Russo. I mean, there's for every team, Aaron Portswine in Columbus used to be the main, the main guy. Um, Helene Elliott for years and years and years with the Kings. It, if you follow the people who are following them every single day and you read what they're writing, I mean, that's the greatest insight. So I use them. I just defer to the, the 30 or for, for some teams, there are several beat reporters and I'll follow a bunch of them to get a good sense of what is really going on with that team that you cannot read from a box score or maybe you don't even get from watching, you know, uh, one period on a Wednesday night, because there's some nights where you have 10, 11, 12 games. And even with my TVR, I can only watch so much of it. So I, I do defer to the beat reporters in the, with the different teams. Well, social media comes, comes in handy for something like that. It almost Huge. brings the community together. Now let's talk a little bit Absolutely. about my, my, Go ahead. my job is completely different. My job is completely different with social media. With Twitter now, my job is completely different now than it was 10 years ago. Absolutely. It's just, I I would say it's easier. There's just so much more information out there. But you also have to offer more now because anybody can go on Twitter and, you know, figure out bits of who's trending up and who's trending downwards. I mean, it's all out there for all of us. So I have to make that extra effort to provide some information to people that they may not that's not as obvious to anybody who just spends half an hour on the internet every day, right? I have to provide more. So there's a challenge with the social media being out there and accessible for everybody, but it also in a sense does make my job a lot easier. So how do you try and be different from other reporters and other beat writers that cover their teams with social media? Well, I, I, I cover all 30. That's the difference. So for me, with my job, I mean, it was the same when I when I worked at NHL Rumor Central for ESPN Insider. It was the same thing. I don't I don't just write about the Maple Leafs. I don't write about the Flyers. I don't write about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't care. I have no allegiance to anybody. It's to me whoever, whatever individual players are going to help a fantasy owner at that time and, and throughout the season or in a dynasty league for seasons to come. Who's going to help them the most? And so that's why I can't be biased and look at everybody equally. So that, that's, that's the way I look at it. Anybody, some hockey fan in Philadelphia isn't going to – he or she is going to watch the Flyers because he or she is a fan of the Flyers. But if he or she has a fantasy team with all these different players, 
I, I'll point out who maybe on the San Jose Sharks is worth having at the moment and could help them win their league. That's my job. Now, does fantasy hockey also help market the game to a lot to a lot bigger audience? Oh, I believe so. Of course. I mean, it, again, I, I think that uh, that's more true maybe with the NFL and definitely with Major League Baseball. I'm just speaking personally, so this is anecdotal evidence, but I've been a member of the same fantasy baseball t- uh, league for years and years and years. It's the same group of us. It has been for, I think we're into our 12th year now. And we take it, when I say we take it seriously, we take it seriously as a form of entertainment, but we're invested in it. And so I will find myself on a Thursday night watching a Milwaukee Brewers game because my starting pitcher is in it. Whereas there was, there's no way otherwise I would be watching this Milwaukee Brewers game. You know what I mean? So I think in terms of marketing the league as a whole, the more people who are involved in fantasy, which is just another, it's, it's another way to enjoy the game. It's just, it's not more important than rooting for your team or hoping that, you know, they win the Stanley Cup, but it's a, it's, it adds another element to enjoying the league and the game as a whole. So I think it's all positive. It's true. Well, everybody's going to be watching out of town games and out of market games, and it brings people together mm-hmm. with, with the leagues that you wouldn't normally be able to watch. And thank you, MLB Network and NHL Network, so we can watch all exactly. these games. But yep. going back to social media, do you think that the rise of fantasy sports is kind of linked to the rise of social media? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. I think fantasy sports benefits from social media. I don't think social media necessarily benefits that much from fantasy sports. I mean, social media is is also just bigger than spectator sport now altogether. I mean, it's it's certainly, yeah, the the relationship is obviously there, but also, I mean, we, we follow our favorite actors and politicians and, you know, there's, there's, we all have our own little niches that we pursue through social media. And I think sports is just one of them. And I think also fantasy sports is another subject of that, that there's, you know, people out there who just specialize in fantasy sports and they have 10, 20, 50, a hundred thousand followers. So there's obviously a market there for that as well. I, I think definitely social media definitely helps fantasy sports. Uh, the other way around, I, I think it's bigger than all that. You're right. And I don't know if you've noticed, but did you were you able to check out the social media response to the unveiling of the Las Vegas Knights, Golden Knights? Sorry, I got a little, I, I got a little bit of a hint of it. Yeah, I got a. Little, <laughs> okay, you're not. I, I gather you're not a huge fan of the name and logo. Is that right? No, hard. Okay. that is a hell no. I think that it's a complete disappointment. You could have come up with something so much better just to at least hype it up. There was so much hype going into, oh my gosh, there's another team coming to the NHL. Oh my gosh, it's going to be in Las Vegas. There's going to be another thing to do in Las Vegas. And you ripped off Magneto's helmet to be a golden knight? Really? Really? I'm not impressed. I, I will say this. And I understand that, and I know you're also not alone. I will say that I'm, I'm mildly, like you, I'm mildly underwhelmed by it. I think it could have packed a little bit more kapow, especially since it's a team out of Vegas, of all places. But I will, I will say this. Sports fans, well, just people in general, but again, sports fans, we hate everything new. We hate it. It doesn't matter. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets came out with their new logo a few years back, 
And it also was slammed. And by the way, it's a perfectly good logo. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Right. I actually think it's pretty, it's pretty classy. But at the time, there was so much pushback, again, on Twitter. I don't know what type of logo and name Vegas could have come out with that would have really pleased everybody. We just don't like new things. But then years pass on, and all of a sudden, we might look back on it. And the Golden Knights will just be part of our vernacular. We'll just speak about them like we speak about the Columbus Blue Jackets. People didn't like that name either. And now it's just, it's just generally part of the conversation. We don't even think about it anymore. So I, I think we get, again, getting back to hysterical sports fans, <laughs> I think we get a little hysterical at times with just new things. And we don't like change. We don't like new things. And then all of a sudden we get used to it and we're not going to mind it anymore. I don't mind the logo, actually. I, I, I don't. I think it's a little subdued, but I, I, I'm surprised by it. I'm a little underwhelmed by it, but I certainly wouldn't say I hate it. Not by any stretch. I don't hate it, but I also was watching the movie Troy when I found out the news. And I okay, saw so, Achilles' yeah. helmet, so and it looks just <laughs> like it. <laughs> so I'm not seeing a knight in this helmet whatsoever. All I see is that they needed something that could use black and gold because it's so on trend right now, mm-hmm. and people are just going to go to town on the black and gold part and wear it with just about everything. But See, you see what you see. All I see is Boba Fett from Star Wars. <laughs> That's who I see. So everybody's going to have their different view of it. I, I, I'm not entirely sure the Golden Knights is, um, but it's okay. I, I, I don't know what I would have picked. I liked Vipers. I thought Black Aces. I understand why they couldn't use that, but I liked Black Aces. I liked Vipers. I thought Scorpions was okay. But again, everybody was, we were all going to be up in arms and harumph and oh my goodness, this is terrible, no matter what. We were all going to do that anyway. We're going to get used to it and it's going to be fine. But Vipers would have been so much better. At least you pay homage to the desert that Las Vegas is located in. At least like Mm -hmm. you're you're incorporating the location into the name. Maybe Golden Knights has some kind of homage to the casino life there, but (laughs) I'm really not feeling it. I'm really not. Natalie, Natalie, we've got to take a deep breath and just let it go, man. <laughs> I need to see somebody it's about this. It out. <laughs> but another thing that bothers me before I let this go is when when announcers and reporters are going to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, it's going to sound like such a mouthful. I feel like it's going to be very difficult to say on air. Don't you think? What? I, I don't know. I still can't say Detroit Red Wings on air without stumbling over it. That, to me, is the ultimate worst one. I always have to think about it. Detroit Red Wings. Otherwise, your R's and your W's run together. I've run into that a bunch of times. It's like real, real dry. Uh-oh. But my um, Columbus Blue Jackets, everybody's thought the same thing. We don't even think. We just call them the Jackets, call them Blue Jackets. I think that's probably also why they dropped the last from Las Vegas is because the last Vegas Golden Knights, that is a mouthful. I, I think we're going to end up calling them the Knights. That's my, my suspicion. And the Vegas Knights, the Leafs are playing the Vegas Knights tonight. I think that's the way that it's just going to go in everyday conversation. And, uh, I, again, I just think we're, we're going to get used to it. Okay. Now I can let it go. Now I, I, let, I got everything <laughs> off my chest. I can take a deep breath and move on with my life. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad I was here for you. Yeah. I, I'm glad I could help you through Thank that. Thank you. Like, I didn't have to go see a shrink about it. <laughs> but one thing that I will have a problem with letting go is just the fate and the struggle of women's hockey in today's society. And with the news of the NWHL, the pay cuts, looking at around 50% pay cut for players, I'm just, it's just something that 
I just can't see why there's something that can be done to at least boost the product of women's hockey because even though you don't cover it you can at least say that women's hockey oh, is still a great, cover, a, a great product i take an interest in it and, and i'm a fan mm-hmm. i i'm a fan of it and i've gone to uh fury's games in toronto i haven't been to any this year i think i'm going december 17th when they play calgary and but i have gone to them in the fact in the past here's the thing it's fantastic hockey it's sad that you still have to mention that every time you bring up women's hockey at the highest level because we have seen it on the international stage in international competition at the Olympics. And when you see the U.S. play Canada, it's, it has come leaps and bounds from two decades ago. It, basically, the product is not even comparable anymore. It is a very quality, high brand of hockey. We still have to bring that up and convince people of it. The issue is, I think, more of marketing and business, like you've mentioned, and I think one of the major problems is right now, I, and again, I'm not, I have to plead ignorance a little bit here. I'm not a business expert. I'm certainly not a marketing expert. But to me, having two separate leagues, having a five-team league in Canada and having a four-team league in the States makes zero sense to me, especially since they don't even get along. At least if you have two separate leagues and there's some sort of formal relationship, that would be one thing. But the, the NHL is, supports women's hockey, and it doesn't understand the two leagues. I don't understand the two leagues. I mean, for crying out loud, there's two, there's two teams in Boston. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So when you're trying to sell this game, and you have – and the CWHL is primarily made up of Canadian top-tier Canadian players, and the – well, I'm going to call it the U.S. League, but the National Women's Hockey League is predominantly made – predominantly made, of, uh, made up of American hockey players. And you have this opportunity to pit these players against each other all the time, which we love watching at the Olympics and we love watching on the international stage. I think they're just letting the ship sail by. I don't understand why they're not taking greater advantage of it. You're, you're better, you're stronger united than you are divided. Right. Everybody knows that. Look at, look at other, other throughout history when other leagues have risen up to try to battle another one. It's never worked. So why are we expecting here? It's already different, difficult to market uh, women's hockey. It's already hard. So why are there two separate leagues? That's a great question. And I wish we could bring right? it up to somebody. I mean, we're talking about, you're talking about pay cuts in, in, uh, with the National Women's Hockey League. And they're losing about a, a third, I understand, maybe between 30 and 40%, I think is the number they're throwing around. And they don't even get paid in Canada. Mm-hmm. So there has to be, I still have to understand why this, these are two separate entities. That completely blows my mind. And then you have a strong product you can market to people. I don't know how to do that. But there are people out there who can probably figure it out. But if they have something that's an easier sell, I know, again, anecdotally, when I speak to my friends and family and Leafs games here in Toronto are inaccessible, either because of cost or ticket availability or what have you. And then I put, push them in different directions. There's junior hockey, not far out of the city, quality hockey. You can watch the AHL minor league is quality hockey. And then there's the CWHL where you have two teams. You have Brampton and Toronto, very easily accessible, high quality hockey. And the response I always get from them is, Oh yeah, it isn't. Oh, I would never go watch that. Because you're bringing your kids to a hockey game. It's entertainment. It doesn't matter, right? It's just high-quality hockey. But they just don't think about it. 
it's 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 just not up in front. Whereas if we had this one league, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it's impossible. I don't understand the business end of it. I really don't. But I find it very frustrating. As a proponent of women's hockey, women's pro hockey, I find it very frustrating. And you're right that, oh, yeah, from people that, that finally take that into yeah. consideration, it's just that it's not visible. The women's hockey, the, the marketing of the product, because essentially it is a product, it's a business, it's just not around of enough. Course. It really isn't. But the one thing that the CWHL does that the NWHL doesn't really do is I've seen that they have a better relationship with the NHL. Uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke to the communications director of the CWHL, Sasky Stewart. And we were... I, I know Sasky. Oh, yeah. We had a great conversation. <laughs> I, I, worked, I worked with... Uh, Sasky's fantastic. I worked with her in a very small capacity in the past. And uh, talk, you want to talk to somebody who's really passionate about the women's game. She's the one you need to talk to. She is a... Uh, yeah, she's fantastic. Right. And if you're from Australia and you love hockey that much, you come to North America so you can work in hockey, mm-hmm. you know you love the game. So I had a really great conversation with her about how the Montreal Canadiens and the Montreal Canadiens, so the women's mm-hmm. team, they partnered together yep. to play at the Bell Centre this coming month. and. Yes. And it's just, it's the perfect opportunity to at least combine one sport, but also bring more people together. And I don't see the NWHL doing that very much. Well, we did see that at the outdoor game last year in, at, uh, in Boston. They did play, two teams did play there. That was when, uh, oh, Dina, I can't remember her last name. Uh, the injury, um, the women's player was, was badly injured, and she's still dealing with that. That, that aside, injuries happen in hockey. It's a fast game. That's not what I'm uh, addressing here. But they do a little bit of it, too. But, again, if you had, I like the relationship with the, uh, uh, the Canadians and the Canadian. I, I think it's wonderful. I think there should be more of that. I'd like to see more of that between the Maple Leafs and the Furies and maybe the Brampton team with, with something, I don't know, Ottawa perhaps. I have no idea. That would be great. Marketing is important. And when you only have a few hundred people coming out to these games and then at the same time, the players want to be paid. I, I sympathize. I would want to be paid too. It's a lot of hard work and you should be paid a decent amount for working so hard. But you still have to put bums in seats. You still have to sell some merchandise. You have to do all of that. That's the business end of it. I mean, unless you have a bajillionaire who's just willing to float this for his or her pleasure, this is the situation you're in. So you have to sell the game. Some way, somehow, you have to sell the game. And when you get them there once, because I know when I went to my first series game, everybody says the same thing. It's really good. They're really good. It's annoying, right? Mm -hmm. But that is this response every single time. So you get them out there once for a good price, for a good time, you can take a family for it. You're not busting the bank account. It's a, it's great hockey, and you're a little surprised, and then you go again. But uh, you have to you have to steamroll it, and you have to start it out. And it, like I love the media to cover it more, but that's a chicken and egg argument. The media is not going to cover something that nobody gives a shit about, right? Right. And then people aren't going to go when the media doesn't cover it. So something has to break somewhere, and I don't have that answer. I wish I did. I think I'm going to have to sleep on that one and get back to you. Now you've got me thinking. But one thing... But there's, there's a reason. There, there's a reason, and I don't know what it is. There's a reason that the relationship between those two leagues is so acrimonious. I don't know what it is. So, I mean, that is something that probably... I should probably prepare for this a bit more. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 cover, I cover NHL hockey players. So I don't... This is more to me just a passion. And uh, I, I would like to hear some answers from people who are directly involved 
and try to figure out if maybe not next year, because I'd hate to see the, the NWHL is in danger of folding right now. And that's, that's really unfortunate because I think it's going to be really difficult to start all over. So, I mean, there has to be some sort of solution on the horizon. Okay. Final question. How would you sure. feel about having a guys versus girl team, uh, at the upcoming NHL All-Star Game. Drop your sticks um, in the middle of the ice, pick your sticks, best guys versus best girls, and they duke it out at the All-Star Game. I don't... Huh. In an ideal world, I would love to say I think that's a fantastic idea. I also understand the reality that physically the best, the best male hockey players in the world are faster and stronger and bigger than the best female hockey players in the world. I'm not saying that there aren't going to be exceptions here and there, and there will be, and I think there will be more of them down the road. And I think in our lifetime, we will see a woman play in the NHL. But I don't, I think right now, as good as the women's game is, it's, it's the same way. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to see 18 year old juniors play the best of the NHL either. I just don't think physically it is the same thing. Not even if you mix the teams. And, oh, you mix, you yeah, mix, you mix the women teams. with? Oh, that might be fun. Yeah. yeah. That, that might be fun. That might be fun. I mean, you, you, you have to take checking out of the game. That has to be, I know it's not usually done in all-star games all that often anyways, but you actually have to, I mean, there, there are female professional hockey players out there who weigh 115 pounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you have Zidane Ochara. That, that, there's no contest there. She there can't be her. even nice, clean checks. <laughs> it would be awful. Just, he just got to shoot low <laughs> for those little ones. <laughs> I mean, so, some of them, and some of them are not, and some of them are built like brick shit houses. But I mean, that's that's the variety of women who play the game as well, right? And we've seen them. And uh, yeah, mixing mixing them up and having them all play together as an exhibition, I think that would be bucket loads of fun. I think that would be great. Absolutely. So, so, so long as you're taking checking out of the game. Uh, incidental contact is fine, but you you can't be you know, throwing body checks around like any other day. You're right. You are right. But why is the why do you think the NHL hasn't done something like that yet? Or recently? I don't remember. Because why? It, it's, the NHL is concerned with its own, it has its own marketing problems. Nothing compared to what the women's game is dealing with. But it has its own marketing issues. This doesn't help grow their game. I don't, I don't believe in, they, I, whether it does or not, I'm not saying it's true. I don't believe they think uh, an exhibition like this would help grow their game. So uh, long-term, you could see maybe they would uh, attract more young female fans, maybe. But I wonder how much the current NHL, those who are running it, have a look to the long game. I still think that their business plans are usually two to three years, and I don't necessarily blame them for that. They're there to make a little bit more money every year, and I don't think they would think that as fun as this would be, I don't know what it would do for them. What's in it for me type of thing? I think the NHL would ask what's in it for me. I think they're a little close-minded. But that's just okay. me. That's just me. And that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Finally. Don't forget to check us out at homestandsports.com. And you can find me on social media at nat underscore Stoberman. And I'd love to hear your comments and thoughts on today's show. So please give us a rating and hopefully we can work that into our next show. See you next time.